I too would like to extend Christian greetings to all of you this morning. I enjoyed the Sunday School Hour very much. Uh, thank you, Brother Mel, for your efforts preparing a Sunday School class. I was blessed, and the singing, devotional, and comments inspired me, encouraged me. It's good to see you all here this morning as we go through a week of revival meetings. You know, uh, every night has been good. There's something about Sunday morning service that I always think is special. It's just a great time to be together as a congregation. And as you get to know the congregation better, I came in here a stranger, but as you get to know the congregation better, I come to a Sunday morning and I realize that there's something that is overwhelming to me, that I realize that there are a lot of different needs in our heart, a lot of different experiences we are all going through as we go through life. And as I want to share the message this morning, I know it's a rather pointed message to a specific topic, and I can think, you know, Lord, how can you use this to meet everybody's need here today? But God can do that. I've experienced that before. If we come to hear from God, and if I allow God to speak through me, then God will meet the need of our hour, of need of our life. And I trust that'll be your experience this morning. The message I want to share today is entitled Parenting with Confidence. And I'll have to explain that a little bit to you. But it's it's a message about family. And we talked one night about having a church that is aflame. And it is imperative, friends, that if we're going to have a church that is aflame, we've got to have families that are on fire. Okay? Because the church is made up of families. And I want to encourage families this morning. The reality is that we need families that are on fire for God so that we can have a church that is the church that God can bless. And it's a message that is close to my heart. And I realize, like I said, that maybe some of you are already say, well, you know what, I'm, this is just not going to hit me this morning. I might as well slouch down and just, you know, it's going to go over my head. Anyhow, it's not where I'm at in life. I don't want you to feel that way this morning. Really, I don't. Uh, I re- I, you know, yes, young people that are going to be future moms and dads and, and moms and dads that are here this morning, lots of young families, middle-aged families here, and grandmas and grandpas. Uh, but maybe you're here this morning, and you're a single. And you don't have a wife and children, or a husband and children, or, or maybe you've lost a husband or wife, and, and maybe you're a couple here this morning that doesn't have children. God has not arranged it that you have children. And obviously this, that Karen and I did not have children for the six, first six and a half years of our life. And so if that is you this morning, we know a little bit about that pain and that journey. But I want to invite all of you this morning, no matter who you are. I believe God has something for all of us this morning. There is, we are all impacted by family. It doesn't matter who we are this morning. In some way, our lives are connected to family and we influence family. And we need all of us together. Before I get to it, I have another thing I want to say. Whenever I preach on family, I am always well aware 
that there are moms and dads probably sitting in this audience this morning that have children that are not where they should be, not where you want them to be, not how you train them to be. I understand that this morning. Children that have walked away from God are prodigals. It is painful. I have not experienced that. And it's only because of God. But that is painful. And I, I cannot explain to you this morning why sometimes our children choose to walk away from God. I can't explain that. But I, we talked last night about the death of our son Tyler when he was 25 years old. That was painful. But friends, I have often said that I think much more painful than that would be to have a prodigal son or daughter. I, I, you know, when you lose a child to death, it's a pain that cuts and it hurts and then eventually it starts to heal, and, and God brings healing. But when you have a son or daughter that is a prodigal and not, we're not walking with God, it's a pain that continues on your life and a hurt. And my heart goes out to moms and dads tonight, if that's your, this morning, if that's your experience. And I trust that through this message, you too can be encouraged and comforted. Well, one of the, we've all seen tragedies perhaps in our life, and you know, the greatest, one of the greatest tragedies that I have seen in my lifetime is not 911 or uh, terrorist attacks or tsunamis or COVID-19. But I think that I would say this morning the greatest tragedy I've seen in my lifetime is the dissolution, the dismantling, the breakdown of family. And I have seen that in my lifetime, living here in the United States of America. A mom and a dad with children... I don't know if this is right saying it this way, but it, it almost isn't normal anymore in today's society. It's almost not normal. And friends, this morning, when that breaks down, there are unmeasurable consequences that go with that. And I don't think, I know, we do not fully realize yet what all that means. And maybe the Lord will spare us from that. I don't know, maybe Jesus will come back soon. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But you know, a family with a mom and dad that are married and have children, it's just not, like I said, it's almost not normal. In fact, it's poked fun of and it's mocked and it's considered out of tune and out of date. And some time ago, my wife and I were traveling by airplane and we landed in some airport and we're sitting there waiting for our next flight out. And I saw this what looked like a family, and I just watched them. They were not Mennonite people, and it looked like a mom and dad and, and older teenagers and children, and they were just so happy, and they had quite a number of children, and they just seemed to be communicating. I, I was watching these people, like, this is strange seeing this here. I told Karen, I'm going to go talk to these people. She said, no, no, no. I said, yeah, I'm going to go talk to these people. I mean, there's something special about them. And I went over and talked to them. And I asked them, are you all family of these children? Yes, we are. And we're here because our oldest son is flying out to some mission field somewhere. I said, well, how in the world do you get through security? You don't do that anymore. You know, sit at the gate and you're not flying out. Oh, he said, if your child is going on the mission field, you can do that. Oh, okay. But a happy family. It was such a blessing to see in the society in which we live. You know, oh, there's so many things that could be said that are negative, and I am not going to talk negative this morning. But let me give you one thing. I just ran across this recently. This was published in 2020, so maybe a year ago. 
According to a study, uh, the United States has the world's highest rate of children living in single-parent households. According to a Pew Research Center study, 23% of U.S. children lived with one parent. 23%. And you compare that, they did this survey with the most, uh, and they surveyed the most populous countries in the world, China and India, and their percent is 3 and 5%. And America is 23%. This country that supposedly has it all together doesn't have it all together. There's something wrong, friends. There's a lot of discouraging things out there, and I'm not going there this morning. This morning, I want to encourage families. Parenting with confidence. And I want to encourage all of us this morning, no matter how you are part of a family. I'm here this morning to declare to you, by the authority of the Word of God, that you can embrace parenting with confidence this morning. Not because of who you are. Not because you think you may have it right. Not because your children may be so smart, but because this morning you can do it with confidence this morning because the author and the originator of family is God. And God doesn't make mistakes, friends. And so we can move into it with confidence. Again, get me right. When I use that term this morning, not in ourself, but in God. Because God ordained it. And God planned it that way. I invite you to open your Bibles to the very first book of Genesis. I don't necessarily have a text verse this morning. I have a number of scriptures that I will be referring to. Genesis chapter 1. So the way I want to approach this this morning, I want to give you what I call confidence builders for parenting and family that come from the word of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God created man, he created woman, he brought them together in marriage, and he said, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to multiply and replenish the earth with children. I want you to have families. This was brought together by God. It's designed by God, his design, his plan. And friends, this morning, I know I'm not telling you anything new, I understand that, but I'm here this morning to encourage you. This is the way God planned it. He never planned for two women to have children. He never planned for two men to have children and be a family. He planned for one man and one woman to have children. And anything outside of that is called all kinds of fancy names by our society today, but it's simply sin. That's what it is. And we may say, well, you don't need to tell us. We're never going there. Listen, friends, we all know how it works. Things tend to creep into churches. 
Uh, maybe I'll just leave that there. Family comes from God. So this morning as I look out over the audience, I see a man and a woman with children. It's family. And friends, this morning, that is beautiful. That's what God had in mind. That's his plan. And it cannot be improved upon. The world today tries to redefine everything, and they try to tell you what family is. Don't listen to them. Listen to God's word. It's beautiful. God made it that way. And this is what I want to encourage you with. It says, and God blessed them. He brought them together, man, woman. He said, have children, and God blessed them. My friends, this morning, if you are here, you're a man and woman, and you're having a family, God's blessing rests upon you. That's a confidence builder. You can move ahead. You can move ahead in confidence. God planned it this way. He will provide. It may look overwhelming to you. Say, how in the world am I ever going to do this? I've got these children. I don't know how to raise them. How am I going to do it? It seems overwhelming. God planned it. He'll provide the way. You just follow God. God's blessing rests upon family. Take that as courage this morning, friends. The second confidence builder I'd like to give you, I'd like to go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Here's a beautiful portion of scripture, and I'm only going to read a number of verses. Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Verse 1, now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. My second confidence builder I'm going to give you is this. Love God with all your heart. You want to know how to have a family that is on fire for God. Love God with all your heart. He says in verse 5, he's talking to the parents, I believe. And he says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And I would say this morning, that is the first step in parenting. That is the foundation. That's where you got, I know there's a lot of good books out there, teach you how to train your children, how to do all this stuff, but come right down to the bottom. This is where you start. Moms and dads, love God with all your heart. That's where it starts. That's the solid foundation. I'll tell you, parents, this morning, your children know what you love. Your children figure out what's important to you. He said these words in verse 6, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Not just some words that come through your lips. 
Not some verses that you can repeat. It's not just some Bible verses that, I shouldn't say just, not just Bible verses that you read in your family devotions, but this needs to be in your heart, moms and dads. Our children know what we love. I quote my son Travis. I think he was preaching out of this portion, and I wrote down what he said. He said, it doesn't work as a dad to be a hypocrite. That's true. It doesn't work. It doesn't work to be a hypocrite. Another preacher brother, I don't know that I heard him say this, but somehow I got this quote he said. He said, children are really smart. They can spot a fake from farther away than you can live. Love God with all your heart because your children figure out what you love. They figure out what's important to you. They figure out what your priorities are. They figured out by how you live life. The story is told about a preacher that had three boys. And one day a, a stray dog came around their farm and the boys got attached to this dog. And so they just kind of became their dog. And one day the preacher was in town and, and this man came to him and said, hey, I lost my dog. And somebody said it might be out of your farm. And he said, I can identify my dog because my dog's got three white hairs in the tail. And preacher said, all right, you can come out and check it out. Well, the man came out, looked at the dog, no white hairs in the tail. Because the preacher had pulled him out. Now the preacher and the boys kept the dog, but the preacher lost the boys. They figure out what you love. The third confidence builder I'd like to give you is to lead by example. And if you back up in chapter 5, verse 29, Oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Then if we come back down to chapter 6, verse 1, and I'm repeating reading here, but God is saying these, these are the commandments, the statutes, the law of God I've given so that ye might do them, he says. He's talking to mom and dad. Uh, you need to do it. I'm giving these commandments for you to do. And then he goes on to verse 2. He says, That thou might fear the Lord thy God to keep his law, that thou and thy son and thy son's son sons all the days of their life, that their days may be prolonged. Lead by example. Your children's point of reference of God is what they see in your life. And so we lead by example. Your children may or may not do as you say. But most certainly they will do as you do. And we need to say things. We need to teach them. And, and especially when they're a very young age, you know, they don't pick up so much on our actions. But as they get older, it's not so much what we say as what we do. And so we lead them by example. And, you know, there's so much that could be said about that. But let me say this. One of the best examples that you can give your children is husband for you to love your wife and for the wife to love your husband 
and for the husband to lead out in the home and the wife to submit to that leadership and to both love each other. I'm talking about a good, solid marriage. That is one of the best examples that you can give to your children. Talking about leading by example, I think about a man, an Amish deacon from somewhere in the state of Wisconsin. I got this on paper somewhere. I don't have it in front of me, but this is a true story. An Amish deacon by the name of Danny Gingrich, he had somebody come knocking on his door one day, and it was an oil company, big-time oil company, and they had checked out his farm, and they wanted to frack his farm, and they handed Danny Gingrich a contract for $15 million to frack his farm. And Danny said, I'll think about it. And the man left, and he had a meeting. He had 10 married children, him and his wife. I forget what his wife's name was. They met with their 10 married children. They had 59 grandchildren. And they made a decision that accepting that contract, signing that contract, would not be for the spiritual good welfare of his family. And so the man came back and knocked on the door, and Danny said, no, I decided, we decided we don't want to do that. The man said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $17 million. Daddy said, no thanks, and closed the door. That man is leading by example for his family. He doesn't have to preach a lot of messages to him, but because he shows them by how he lives. Now, if you'll go with me to the New Testament, next confidence builder I want to give you is out of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, nurture your children, is what I want to encourage you. In verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word nurture there is, it means, the Strong's would mean to teach or to train or to instruct, to discipline. Or we could say it this way, bring them up in the training of the Lord. We're to teach them in the ways of the Lord. Train them to holiness. Train them to godliness. Train them in the ways of God. Train them how God would want them to be. How he wants them to live. And, you know, friends, there's nothing that can replace that training that mom and dad are to give. I know you got schools, and you got many Christian day schools, good schools. I understand that. But it shouldn't be the teacher's responsibility to train your children in the ways of God. Your children should be trained in the ways of God before they get to school, and then what the teacher does only is an affirmation of what you have already trained. You see, there, there shouldn't be problems in our schools if my mom and dad train our children in the ways of God. It's not the teacher's responsibility. It's not the principal's responsibility. They only affirm what we have already done at home. Our responsibility as dad specifically here, he says, to train them to godliness and holiness. Our dear bishop, Brother John Slabel, said this. He said, the most significant impact you'll make on building the kingdom of God is to train your children to holiness and godliness, to follow God. And so we can have confidence in family when we are 
putting our hearts and our effort and our energy into training children to godliness and to walk with God. And I know child training can be overwhelming. And I always find it like, what, why did God think that we can be good parents when we had no experience? I don't know. Uh, and I can't answer that exactly. Um, but that's the way it is. I, I know one thing. I, I know one thing. I, God understands that we need to have children when we're young. You know, when we're our age, it would seem really overwhelming, all right? It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of work. And, you know, we love our grandchildren. We love them to death. But, you know, that's nice they can go back home, you know. <laughs> it's good. Because we don't have that energy anymore. It takes a lot of work. I understand. Some of you are sitting here this morning and say, we, how do you train children? I mean, how do you even start? It just seems overwhelming. I don't have all the answers. But I'm going to give you just one hint this morning on how to train children. When we go to, before I do that, let me back up. So Exodus chapter uh, 20. What do we have in Exodus chapter 20? Can someone tell me? Ten commandments. Ten commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Thank you. So the Ten Commandments go something like this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is God's law to us people. And he says, have no other gods. So do you think that God would be okay with maybe just a little bit something else? Jay? No. God also said, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, do you think God really meant that? Or did he think, ah, you know, if somebody swears and cusses a little bit, it's not too bad? No, that's not what God meant. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Did God really mean that? Or is he okay with a little bit of online pornography? No, he's not okay with that. Thou shalt not, uh, let's see, what are some of the others? Um, Thou shalt not kill. Did God really mean that? That's exactly what God meant. He said, thou shalt not. And so when God says no, he means no. And you know, that is an important concept that we as adults need to understand if we're going to serve God. We need to understand that, and we do. I think we understand that. But you can follow that concept the whole way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When God says no, when God says yes, that's exactly what he means. Friends, this morning I would suggest that training children starts at that very same place. Train your children that no means no. Now you know what? Whenever you have the preacher... And maybe especially the visiting preacher to your house, your children always, <laughs> maybe they act their worst, right? <laughs> and oh, you want them to behave so well because the preacher's here. Oh, you know, I understand that. And I'm not critical of anybody or from this church at all. But I'm just simply giving you my heart this morning. Train your children that no means no. Train your children that when you say don't do that, it means don't do that. Train your children that when you say come, it means come. All right? Uh, and if you tell your children no, or don't do that, or stop it, and they keep right on going, 
then that means you have a problem and you get to work on that problem. And you, and you do it over and over and over again. But that's the way we teach them. And too often, I should, I don't want to be critical, but sometimes then I'm at places and mom and dad are saying to the children, don't do that, stop doing that. Johnny, you got to quit doing that. You must stop doing that. Johnny, please. Oh, they just need a nap. Huh? Yeah, they might need a nap. But they also need to know that no means no. And come means come. Precept upon precept, line upon line. It's hard work, parents. I know this morning it's hard work, but keep at it. Don't give up. It's God's way. Because if your child does not learn that no means no when they're young, they're going to run right through God's stop signs when they get older. And so it's imperative that we teach them when they're young that no means no. Someone has said the word no is a complete thought, and I like that. No, that's a sentence, right? That's a complete thought. And any child that grows up without learning that that is a complete thought is at a huge disadvantage as they go through life. It doesn't guarantee that your child will choose God, but you can parent with confidence and you can nurture and give them opportunity to understand what no means. And I like to say this, that training and discipline and instructing has little value unless you love your child. See, rules, rules without relationship builds rebellion. But when you discipline and you train and you have love and relationship, it has a tremendous pulling effect on the heart of your child, a positive effect. It's amazing. Now, I'd like if you would turn with me to Psalm 78. My next confidence builder is this. Consider children as a life mission. Psalm 78, and it's a long psalm. I only want about three verses here in verse 5, 6, and 7. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Talks here about moms and dads to make known to their children the laws of God. My point is to consider your children as your mission field. He said we need to teach them about the ways of God. They are our mission field so that they set their hope in God. So that the next generation comes along and they serve God with all their heart. And then they teach their children to serve God with all their hearts. We are all called to do mission work in some way, some shape, some form. And some people go overseas and that's great. We need that. But I think about old brother Noah. The Bible calls him the preacher of righteousness. For years and years he would 
He was out there building that ark, and he would go out there, and I picture in my mind he crawled up on some lumber pile of wood, and from that pulpit he would preach to the, maybe to the throngs of people that would come to mock and make fun of the boat. I don't know, but he was a preacher of righteousness. For a hundred years he preached. Who got saved? His family. And the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Friends, this morning, if you've got children, you've got a mission field right in your house, right in your home, right in your living room, your kitchen. Now, you all got wonderful children. I understand that this morning, and you love them, but you know what? Your children are born as little rebels. They're little rebels when they're born. They don't like it when you tell them no, and they want to do so. They don't like that. They rebel against that. They cry when they don't get their way, and they fight and scream and... Roll on the floor. They are your mission field. And they need Jesus in their heart. No, not when they're three or four, but when they get to the age of accountability, they need to have Jesus in their heart that, that washes out that bad stuff. They need to set their hope in God, as the psalmist said. They need to keep God's commandments. Frankly, it's just this, but your children need to be born again. They were born one time of flesh and blood in the hospital. They need to be born the second time by the Spirit of God to wash away their sins. They are your mission field. Fathers. Expect your children to get saved. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I had a dad tell me one time, he said, I talk like this to my children. He said, I say, Johnny, when you become a Christian, so, so, and so. Or Sally, you know, when you become a Christian, then they'll be, expect your children to be saved. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know how old his children were, but he said, this is what we're going to do. And I think our children need to grow up under that, that, Church, God is important to my dad, and this is what he expects me to do. And they'll get to the point that they see that it is the right thing to do. I mean, why would we encourage him any other way? No, we encourage him. This is what we expect you to do. Expect him to be active in the church. And you know, I've had, I've heard a father tell me one time that, you know, I just told my son, well, whatever he decides to do is okay with me. That's, that's not how I father. It's not okay with me. Parents, your children, inside of them, they have a precious soul that's going to live on forever and ever. A precious living soul. And I know that is important to you this morning. I, I believe that with all my heart. And I understand this morning that we cannot force our children to choose God. We cannot do that. And I wish we could, but we cannot do that. We cannot choose for them. But are we willing to do what we got to do as often as we need to do it for the saving of the souls of our children? Jesus Christ is coming back someday. The trumpet's going to blow sound and life on this earth will end. And when that trumpet sounds... Just before that trumpet sounds, some soul will have been the last one to be saved. Do you ever think about that? Somebody is going to be the last one in to the gates. Some soul will be the last one saved. Moms and dads, 
that last soul could be one of your children. And so I want to encourage you this morning, keep on working in the mission field. Keep on being a missionary to your family, to your children, until that trumpet blows, the last one saved may be your own. The next confidence builder, I entitle it this way. Moms and dads, grandma and grandpas, stay on the porch. And I draw my thoughts from the parable of the prodigal son, and I'm not going to read that parable. We call it the parable of the lost son. This morning I would maybe call it the parable of the godly father. This dad had two sons, I think it was. And one of them was a rebel, and he got sick and tired of the farm. He didn't like the farm. He didn't like, I don't know what he didn't like, the cows, whatever it was, the pigs. But probably most of all, it would seem as you read this parable that he did not like the structure of the home. He didn't like mom and dad. He did not appreciate their teaching. Maybe he didn't like going to church. I don't know what it was, but he was unhappy at home. He saw the lights of the city way out there, and he thought, if I could just get there, I would have fun, and my life would be great. And so he was so rebellious, finally his dad, he insisted, his dad gave him the inheritance, and off he went to the city. We know the story, how that he went there, and he spent all his money, got rid of his friends, no more friends, finally came to the end of himself, and he said, you know what? What a foolish son I've been. I'm going to go back home and maybe dad will take me back in. And I'll read one verse. It says of his dad, and he arose, it says of the son, he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let me just put that into my words and to what it looks like in my mind. Here was dad. He was looking for his son. And he looked for, I think he probably looked for him every day. And one day he looked down the lane, maybe down the road, and he saw somebody walking down the road, way down there, and like, oh, this guy is really a mess. I wonder who it is. And suddenly it dawned upon him that the way that man walked was his son. Sometimes we recognize how people walk. You might not recognize their face, but recognize how I walk. And he realized that is my prodigal son. And he'd been looking for him. And the Bible says he got up, not off the porch, but in my mind, that's what I see. Off the porch, and away he ran, down the lane, down the road, and he threw his arms around his son and hugged him and welcomed him back home. Dad was on the porch. I know that's not all the Bible. That's the picture I get. Dad didn't follow son to the city. He didn't give in to the beer parties at home. He didn't let son have a TV in his room. He wasn't okay with his ungodly girlfriend. Dad stood on truth. He maintained principles and application. He stayed on the straight and narrow way of holiness. Dad stayed on the porch. And his son knew where to come to find truth and find love. And I would say to moms and dads this morning, 
especially if you've got prodigal sons and daughters. I would say to grandmas and grandpas this morning, stay on the porch. Stay on truth. Stay on holiness. It breaks me on my heart when I see children walk away from the church and then mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, they kind of ease off the porch a bit themselves so they can relate. But no, friends, stay on truth. It's their reference of God. And if you move away from it, it'll move their point of reference way off. Stay there so they can find their way back to God. Parenting with confidence doesn't mean our children will choose God. It doesn't mean that we have answers or the ability to do it. But we can have confidence, friends, this morning that family is right. It's God's way. Follow God's way. I encourage you this morning. God's blessing rests on a godly family. Pursue it with confidence. Be enthused about it. Be passionate about it. Put your all into it. There's no greater joy than to see my children walking in truth. Someone's son or daughter, someone's son or daughter will be the last one saved. It may be yours. So I got something I want to share with the ladies. And then I got something I want to share with the men. And then I'll be done. To the mamas and grandmas this morning, I share an old, old song. Somebody somewhere was praying that night. When Jesus came in and I saw the light, it must have been Mama. I heard her before as her prayers touched the master, her tears touched the floor. She held to the altar and wouldn't give in till she knew all her children had been born again. Just an old-fashioned Mama. But she loved the Lord and her prayers touched the master as her tears touched the floor. Thank you, Mama, for praying for me. If you had not prayed, then where would I be? They call you old-fashioned, but you love the Lord, and your prayers touch the master as your tears touch the floor. Mamas, grandmas, never, never, ever, ever quit praying. Never quit praying. You do not understand how powerful your prayers are. There's many Young men, young women at the church today because mama did not quit praying. And God only knows how many will still come because of a prayer of a mama. And to the men this morning, it's a little bit more lengthy than that. Because I'm going to refer back to Exodus chapter 12. If you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, it's okay. In Exodus chapter 12, we had God ready to bring his children out of Egypt, out of bondage. They had the nine plagues, and so we're coming down to the tenth plague. And you are well aware of the story, what happened here. 
And they have been given specific instructions, and I'm not going to take time to read much this morning, but God told his people through Moses, he said, I want the men to pull out a lamb on the 10th day of the month, and then I want them to hold that lamb there at their house till the 14th day of the month, and then we're going to sacrifice that lamb. And he gave them instruction exactly what's going to happen. And maybe I'll read um, verse 12. Here's what God said I would do. I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So God told him exactly how he was going to deliver him. I'm going to come through. I'm going to smite the firstborn. The entire country. But he said, you people, my people, get the blood on the doorpost of your home, and you will be safe, and you will be saved from this judgment. So specific instructions. And we come to verse 21, then Moses called, the day came. Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door until, of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. But when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And we could go on and we could read exactly, that's exactly what happened. Now I'm going to take a little liberty this morning. Uh, I just believe that there's a lot of things that went on that are not written for us. And I, I know I'm using my imagination, and I, but I, I believe the principle is here. There was a responsibility that was given to the dad. And I'm talking to you men this morning. And if you will just, if we can just allow ourselves if you're okay with it, to imagine that we are an Israelite father this morning. Okay, can we imagine that? We're an Israelite father. And it's the 10th day of the month, and so maybe we knock off work a bit early today because we know that tonight is a night. So maybe we quit work early, we get home, and yes, that lamb that, that we had pulled aside four days ago is still there in the little pen by the house. In our lap, but we're not... We're staring at the pages, but we're not really reading it because we know that we're only a couple hours away from God coming through. And the night wears on, and maybe 10 o'clock, you say to your wife, Honey, why don't you just go on up to bed, and I'll be up after a while. So maybe she goes on up, and there we sit by ourselves. The father is home. 10.30, 11 o'clock, 11.30. And we hear something. We hear footsteps coming down the stairway. And here it's your son, your oldest child. And you say, son, why aren't you sleeping? He says, daddy, I can't sleep. But why can't you sleep, son? Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And you say, son, look. Look, son, I can't take you outside. But maybe we can, you can just see... If we stick our head out, we can see the sides of the outside of the door. Look at the blood side. I took all that blood from the lamb and I, I painted it this whole side of the door post. I painted this side and painted it across the top. I used all the blood side. I put it all on exactly like God told me to do it. Son, you go right on up to bed. You're safe. God's not going to pass judgment on this house. You are safe. 
ask you fathers this morning, are your children spiritually safe under your care? Have you applied the blood to the doorposts of your home as it were? I know it's just a, a symbol that we're talking about here this morning, but have you applied the blood to the doorposts of your home? Your, spirit, your children are spiritually safe in your care, in your leading, in your teaching. Have you raised the spiritual bar high in your home? God won't hold us accountable for how our children choose, but I believe, friends, he will hold us accountable for getting the blood on the doorpost of our home. Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you for this congregation of people. And every person here this morning represents a family in some way. And you have called us to be families and a people that follow you, obey you. You have pronounced a blessing upon families and we are grateful for that this morning. We sense, we not sense, we know that it's an awesome responsibility. It's a heavy responsibility and yet it's such a privilege, God, to have children and to teach them the ways of God. It's such a privilege to be a son or daughter in a family, be a grandma and grandpa or a single person that is tied into family, Lord. And I don't know what you have spoken this morning into our hearts. I have no idea. But if there are those here this morning that have been called by you somehow through this message for whatever reason, mom or dad, son or daughter, grandma and grandpa, whoever it is, Lord, that you have spoken to this morning, I just pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts and draw us, Lord. Maybe those who are here this morning that acknowledge that they want to have more of you in their life. I pray you would bless this little imitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. With your eyes closed this morning, I'm simply going to ask you this. If God has spoken to your heart this morning and you want to acknowledge that and you want to purpose to have more of God in your life, I'm just going to ask you, raise your hand. I'll remember you in prayer. If God has spoken to your heart this morning, just raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Many hands. God bless you for being honest this morning. Yes, yes. All over the house. Yes, yes. Many hands. God has spoken to your life. Yes. Anyone else? God, you have seen the many hands this morning. Hearts that have been spoken to by your word and you're drawing men and women boys and girls grandmas and grandpas moms and dads to yourself this morning i believe that there's revival in our hearts god today as you have moved amongst us we thank you for that you know every hand that was raised for whatever reason god i pray that today could be a day where they have more of you in their life and less of something else i pray for your blessing to rest upon these families and this congregation that their light could shine bright. God, make this church a flame. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.